Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. My name is Steve Sophronis, and I am proud to be the host of Highest Aspirations. This episode is part of our special Look for the Helper series. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood offered some relevant advice for navigating difficult times like these. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. The ELL community is full of helpers, and we are proud to amplify their voices as we face the reality of long-term school closures as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. We are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. We are stronger together. So if you'd like to share your ideas, inspiration, or simply share your voice, our doors are always open. Just go to bit.ly slash ellhelper to learn more. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. Sarah Hammerleth, thank you so much for joining us on our Look for the Helpers series on the Highest Aspirations podcast. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me. I'm glad to join you today. Absolutely. And we met back at the fall at a, at a gathering, and we've been talking about doing something on the podcast for a long time, and we had some different ideas. But then this whole COVID-19 thing happened, and we thought it would be great to get your perspective on what you all are doing um, at Waltham Public Schools. So start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you work at Waltham Public Schools. What's your role there? So um, I'm the administrator for English language learning programs. And uh, actually, my office is in Waltham High School, although these days it's at home. Um, but I, my position's a pre-K to 12 position, and I'm really uh, part of a, a larger leadership team that includes the central office administration and um, meet with that group. Uh, this is actually a new role for me in Waltham. Um, so I've been there since August. And uh, it's, it's a really wonderful um, uh, system. And in that position, I have a great assistant director of English language learning programs. And we have 32 ESL teachers across the district um, and 11 paraprofessionals um, who support the English language learners in Waltham. Great. And I should mention for those of us who are uh, in from the New England area know that uh, Waltham is in Massachusetts. I did mention that at the beginning. So Waltham Public Schools is a district in Massachusetts. So I think you're our first representative from um, from Massachusetts, which is great. So uh, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing uh, emerge or perhaps even develop and evolve as we go into, I think now I've lost track, but I think we're in the third or fourth week of, of school closures. Yeah. So. Um... You know, in Waltham, we have, you know, about between 14 and 1500 English learners uh, who speak 35 different first languages. Yep. So, you know, we really want to communicate with all the families what's going on on a day by day, week by week basis. Um, and our first priority is really the emotional and physical wellness of the students and their families. Um, Fortunately, being in Waltham, we're a suburb of Boston, so we do have access to really um, good healthcare systems here in this area. Um, 
but you know, we really uh, have had um, our administrative team, including the director of health and wellness, message, you know, what's going on with to all the families and what can they do to help protect themselves in terms of their um, physical and also emotional wellness. So that's really our first priority. Right. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing from most folks. I mean, and again, you can't really educate uh, kids or uh, make sure that they're, you know, receiving the right instructional activities if they're not taken care of, um, both uh, emotionally and physically as well. And you're right, it's, it's a blessing to be close um, to Boston and have access to those services. Mm-hmm. And we um, are... Um, school uh, director of um, the food services has done an amazing job of keeping that team rolling. So we've been also providing lunch and breakfast to students and their families, you know, on an ongoing basis. First primary, um, first is the students and then the Boys and Girls Club. We've been partnering with, they've been also working and distributing food in the evenings and different sites in Waltham. So, you know, really trying to um, work and partner with those community organizations. And then, you know, our second priority is the student engagement and trying to see if students are connecting to their teachers and classmates in this time. So um, we did deploy additional Chromebooks and devices to the students. at elementary, middle, and high school. And Tuesday, I was with the principal of Waltham High School and the associate principals handing out Chromebooks at a site um, for students who um, didn't have a device in their home. So we were able to get those out. And then the internet access has also been an issue because we want the students to engage in the online learning platforms and um, the internet is, you know, there, there are a few hot spots that are public in Waltham, but we really need more access to these. So that's been a big uh, hurdle to try to get the students connected to those hot spots or try to use their phone as hotspot. Um, that's, that's been uh, a complicated process. And, you know, we just really want them to continue to learn, you know, in this time away from school. Yeah, absolutely. And that you're not alone with that challenge. I just literally just got off uh, another interview with someone who's down in Henderson County, North Carolina, which is a rural district. And that's, you know, that's the biggest issue. And they, they have some kind of novel ways of making sure that um, that students and their families are getting access to instruction without internet, because while they can get them devices, their challenges, they just they just can't provide enough hotspots. Um, sometimes there's no cell service, families don't have Wi-Fi, it's migrant communities. So different challenges in different places, different populations. Waltham is obviously not a rural district, um, but you're dealing with some of the same uh, problems. And, and one thing that you actually said when we were speaking before was, you know, and I know that we all sort of believe strongly in this, that's that language learning um, is, a, is a social activity, right? Uh, so particularly for language learners, this can be really tough um, to learn in isolation. And I'm sure, you know, internet access plays greatly into that. Right. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of having students engage in academic conversations and learn from each other. And so we've done a lot of work in that area. And then when you're in, you know, a virtual meeting, it's really going back to that teacher directed format 
and having students raise their hand and, you know, call on them again. And so uh, it's, it's going to be hard to make this shift, you know, to this, these digital platforms. And, you know, we really want uh, students to continue to use their voices and to speak up and to practice English. And um, we have also a, a dual language program in Waltham where students are learning um, Spanish and English together mm -hmm. in an integrated setting. And clearly that's not able to, to work at this point in time. Uh, we don't have those integrated settings where children learn from each other. Um, and so that's kind of a step backwards for us. Um, but, you know, we're trying to look, look at this as a sort of an opportunity to make some changes and try some new things as well. Yeah. And I think at the, at the end of this, we'll definitely talk about some silver linings because I, I, I think that's so important for us to keep in mind as we go through this challenging time. Um, we're learning a lot, that's for sure. Um, so you've talked about a little bit about sort of where you are now and what the issues are. Um, this whole thing is obviously going to be going on for uh, a while in terms of school closures. Is Massachusetts still saying May 4th and we're kind of all anticipating it'll probably be the, to the end of the school year? Uh, that's right. You know, yeah. we're working right now, uh, you know, toward that May 4th idea, but, you know, it will have to see logistically how that plays out. And we also have um, our district receives Title III funds. And every summer we provide extended year programming. And so right now we're thinking about that programming because like I said before, our students really need that extra time to learn the language and the content. And so um, I've been talking to other directors in, in Massachusetts and trying to brainstorm, okay, what could that extended year programming look like? if we're not there in person, how do we continue to provide opportunities to our students so that they can at least, you know, retain a lot of the learning that has happened to this point and, um, and try to at least um, move forward and not have that summer slide that typically happens. So we're thinking about how can we be creative with that summer programming? Yeah. Yeah, you have to sort of think about that without even knowing what's going to happen. It's kind of like building the plane as you fly it, and you have to mm -hmm. plan for all of these possibilities that are contingencies that you might not that might not happen. But hopefully, at the end of the day, we're all over prepared, you know, <laughs> and right. we don't need some of the things that we that we deploy. But either way, we're learning from them. Um, so, what else are you as a district or as, you know in your schools? What what are you preparing for coming down the line? I mean, we're kind of in this now for the long haul, it looks like. Um, we, we've, uh, most districts, I think, including Waltham, certainly based on what you've said, um, have dealt with sort of the acute um, needs that surged right away. What's next? What are you preparing for and hoping to kind of mitigate as time goes along? Sure, so um, this year was the first year of the passage of the Look Act um, by the Massachusetts State Legislature, which actually opened up more opportunities to provide um, bilingual programming, so opportunities to put in place more dual language programming um, and uh, programs for students who might be arriving with limited or interrupted formal education. So while we're just right now kind of trying to get by week by week, we also want to look to the future and say, 
Um, you know, how do we strengthen our dual language program? Next year, we're adding um, one more grade level. And so right now it's building year by year. We've gone from adding, starting with a kindergarten, adding first, second, third. Next year, we'll add fourth grade. And then it will continue into the middle school. And what will that middle school model look like? So we've been thinking about that. Um, last Friday, the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education released some guidance on remote learning for English learners. So this early this week, we released our version of that for the Waltham Public Schools, a remote learning um, plan for English learners. So, um, you know, really providing the support to teachers. We have some professional development coming up. Uh, we're having hosting a course for teaching students with limited or interrupted formal education in May. And a lot of our teachers are signed up for that course. And that'll be now a virtual course. Mm -hmm. So we want to continue with the big picture and always keep it in mind our, our mission and vision, you know, for our department and how we want to support the whole, the whole child. Yeah, you know, and I appreciate you bringing up thinking past, like, you know, it's hard to think past this school year right now because what obviously of what we're dealing with and people are trying to solve problems that are, you know, come, new problems are coming up every day, it seems. But it sounds like you're doing a good job keeping the big picture in mind, like you just mentioned, and thinking about what the future looks like down the line. Um, and, and hopefully some of these learning experiences, um, you know, will help as you plan those and think about any contingencies that you'll need to put in place moving forward. I'm curious about, um, I'm asking everybody this question because I think it's important. Um, what, what are you observing in terms of equity issues? It seems like this, this whole thing is shining a, a pretty bright light on um, the idea of equity in schools and who's getting the services they need and maybe who might be left behind. Yeah, so this is, you know, this is a really important issue. And um, you know, I talked about the lack of access to Wi-Fi internet. Right. Um, and I've been communicating with a few of the students and we had some of our own high school students make some guides for their classmates. Awesome. And they made bilingual guides. So one of our 10th graders made a video for his, his classmates in English and then in Spanish showing them how to um, connect their own Chromebook to Wi-Fi, how to go into Google Classroom to meet up with their teachers. Um, and so having the, that video available is important. Um, and then we have like step-by-step -step -step guides and how to find um, hotspots in your neighborhood. And we made those in Spanish. And um, and so our students are actually doing a lot of this work because they're the ones who see, who see through the eyes of a young person. What is it that my classmates need to know to uh -huh. be able to access these digital resources? And um, we're also working on uh, putting out packets. So just in, for those families that really actually can't get on the internet or don't have a device or maybe have one device for a family of three or four um, children, we're trying to get the packets printed up and distributed. So, you know, these would be um, plans of 
of work that would in, align with our expeditionary learning curriculum in English language arts and with our math curriculum. So, you know, we're trying to look at this situation sort of as an opportunity to, um, you know, try to ensure that our students all have access to this technology. Um, so we're, we're getting there. Um, but, you know, additionally, students hopefully will have time now to um, earn the credits they need to graduate. Um, and that's another concern. Right. Yeah, I love the idea of having students. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it sort of at the end of bringing this up that they, they have the sort of perspective that we need to understand about what their, you know, um, peers need. And so this idea of this 10th grader creating this video for classmates is just amazing to me. I was a high school teacher for a long time in Massachusetts, actually, as well. So I, I it just, you know, and I have a ninth grader at home who's, you know, she's busy in terms of online learning, but boy, what a great way to kind of do something meaningful for your peers and also learn something. Um, haven't heard a lot about that yet. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah, we have a, um, a community organization called Waltham Partnership for Youth. And they actually had a course to train high school students to become interpreters and translators. Wow. And yeah, so some of our bilingual students took the course and so they can do some of this work. I know that, you know, in a lot of uh, school districts, finding, you know, getting uh, materials translated quickly is an issue. And it's wonderful to have this resource of students who, you know, they get paid to do the work and they're really confident and they've been trained in it. So it's, um, it's really a great win-win uh, situation that we have this group of talented students who can serve us in this capacity. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to come back to the idea of, uh, you know, students needing to kind of communicate with one another and collaborate with one another to improve their language skills. You've done a lot of work on academic conversations, um, which is what, what we were originally going to talk about uh, in our in our podcast episode. And I hope that we still are able to do when this crisis is behind us. Um, you know, but but this idea of like promoting a student centered classroom, we mentioned it earlier. Are you are you seeing that happen at all with online learning in Waltham or in other places, or, or, or is that just like not, is that, is that difficult to achieve given the constraints that are in place? Yes. Yeah, so I think it is a, a big challenge to be able to do this. Um, and I'm hoping that we could actually partner more English learners with native English speakers in some of these online spaces, because we have uh, nine sections of ESL one, and um, we're trying to partner up ESL one teachers so that these beginners, um, you know, have more of their peers to converse with in these spaces. And then, you know, trying to see if there are actually um, chances for for them to converse and learn together with students who. Uh, are native English speakers or who have higher proficiency in English. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's challenging to do because in the norms that we created for the online spaces, you know, we're asking students to mute their microphone yeah. and then 
you know, virtually raise their hand and be called on to talk. So it's hard to produce language when, you know, in a time, you know, in a 30 minute uh, meetup, virtual meetup time, you only get a chance to contribute, oh, you know, several times. So we're trying to really work on that. Yeah, that's really tricky. I mean, you know, you can tell when you walk by a classroom, a brick and mortar classroom, when it's kind of messy and it sounds noisy, but there's production happening and things are, there's learning happening, there's language being used. Um, but, but it's just, it's really hard. It may be impossible to do uh, on a virtual meeting. I mean, having all kinds of people talking at once with varying degrees of internet, some people are lagging others. I mean, I see it. It's so stressful. Like my second grader, you know, where they don't even, they're, they all speak English. There's no English learners in his class. It's a very small second grade class, but like those zoom meetings, it's, it's, I'm telling him like, yeah, you have to mute your microphone because of all the background noise. And I'm like, I feel terrible saying it as a former language teacher, but that's the reality. But one of the solutions that you mentioned, and I know it's hard to kind of put together, I hope it's happening organically in some places, but the idea of putting, you know, uh, native English speakers together with, with English learners is great. And perhaps putting some of those teach those native uh, English speakers who are taking language classes together with others. It yeah. reminded me of many, many years ago when I was an exchange student in Spain and in, in college, you know, we did these things called intercambios where you basically, you just met someone back then there was, you know, I'm dating myself, but it was a piece of paper that you took off of the, <laughs> off of the right. wall and called somebody on the phone because there's no very little internet. And then you'd meet somebody and you'd just spend half the time speaking English and half the time speaking Spanish. And it was probably how I learned most of my Spanish skills at that time. Um, I'd love to see that be formalized, for lack of a better term, in districts, because I think it's a great opportunity to do that now. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're partnering. Each one of our ESL teachers is at Waltham High School, has you know a, a partner, colleague in a different department, and they're trying to you know, support each other. And so some of our teachers are reaching out to world language teachers and thinking, okay, you, know, you teach Spanish we have native Spanish speakers, you know, how can we um, partner up the students so that they can learn from each other? And uh, it's a really powerful approach. And, you know, Jeff Swears from Stanford University, he always is talking about students building ideas in, in pairs, because when students are talking in pairs, you know that at least 50% of the students are producing language at any time, and the other 50% are listening. Right. So um, it's just a way to really increase that language production. So yes, more opportunities to learn from each other and, and uh, use language as a tool. Yeah, for sure. And this is a good transition because I think you just mentioned what might be uh, a positive from this whole thing. And that is like as a, as a former high school Spanish teacher, a foreign language teacher, and now someone who's very much entrenched in the world of, of, of you know, multilingual learners and, and English learner education. Um, I see a lot of opportunity in those two groups, world language teachers and ELL teachers coordinating with one another and collaborating. But for a variety of reasons, many of which are out of the hands of both groups, we don't see that collaboration as, I, as often as I think we should. So maybe um, this is an opportunity for that to begin happening. And sort of speaking of those positive things, I'd love to hear you for the sort of last question I have. Look ahead six to 12 months from now when hopefully this this whole thing is behind us. Um, what do you hope we will have learned from this and what sort of positive things from now might we continue doing in the future in a kind of a perfect world? Right. So, you know, I was, ho I'm hoping that we can look back on this time and say, 
you know, we had to take one step backwards to take two steps forward. And our, our English as a second language teachers are really collaborative by nature. So we have um, a student outreach committee at Waltham High School. And we've really been trying to reach out to families and build these bridges and connections and engage the students. A lot of the teachers have been making phone calls to homes and um, using the Remind app to, you know, touch base with families. We have parent liaisons who are funded through the Title III grant who um, have been trained to, you know, communicate with families. And so I think this is really a time where, um, you know, we can, we can build these connections, um, school to family and teacher to other teacher and, um, and, you know, work together for, for the whole community. Also, you know, school to community partners. So I see that, you know, within the school, um, like at the middle school level, you know, our middle school ESL teachers are doing an amazing job working with their grade level clusters. Uh, at the elementary level, teachers are collaborating in grade level teams. So, you know, in this way, um, our ESL teachers are supporting their content, um, content specific colleagues. And ESL teachers really have a way to you know, look carefully at the language demands of assignments and think about what will be challenging for the students at different levels of English and anticipate where an English learner might struggle right? and then help develop those scaffolds. So I, I see a lot of this happening across our district. And so um, I think this good work can really continue into the future. Yeah, that's great. Very well said. I mean, if we can, if we can increase collaboration uh, for any group, that's great. But I really think that, and I, you just mentioned, there's a huge opportunity for, you know, ESL teachers uh, to to leverage their expertise and ability to help content teachers understand what the language needs are of their students and increase collaboration for the benefit um, of students. So um, that's great. Well, Sarah, we'll leave it there. I know um, we're a little bit over the time that we dedicated to this. I really appreciate you coming on and giving your perspective as an administrator. It sounds like um, you all at Waltham are doing uh, amazing things and you have a plan for the future. And I'm hoping that uh, listeners can take something out of this that they can use. Great. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me to participate. And I hope we'll be able to connect again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.